Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have as our guest, Sarah Lapano. She holds an MED in Child Studies from Vanderbilt University and is a board-certified behavior analyst. She is currently the COO and Executive Clinical Director of Cognition Builders, a company that provides immersive in-home support to address social, emotional, behavioral, and family systems needs. Today, we talk about the work she does with Cognition Builders, how to create meaningful change through in-home interventions. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I wonder if maybe we could start by talking a little bit about your experience and what led you to your current position at Cognition Builders and what you do. Yeah. So I took sort of a a roundabout way to get here. My background is in first, I got my bachelor's in education. I was a certified teacher, not the route for me. Ended up getting a master's in child development and uh, became a board certified behavior analyst. And all of my training was really about using behavior analysis to treat the social, emotional, behavioral issues of individuals with autism and developmental disabilities. I worked in a hospital setting, in a clinic setting, and was blown away by how effective behavior analysis is in changing outcomes for individuals with disabilities. However, I felt really stuck in that we were seeing a lot of repeat issues with our clients and we would see drastic change and then we would discharge them and they would be back in three weeks. And what kind of change would you see? Yeah. So really significant behavioral changes first and foremost. My specific experience was with a lot of individuals with severe challenging behavior. So aggression, self-injurious behavior, really significant social or communication deficit. So like no verbal communication sometimes. And what we were seeing is a complete reduction of aggression. For instance, we would see a client come in and they were aggressive multiple times throughout an hour of being with them to zero aggression whatsoever, or building their language, getting them to be able to appropriately ask for things um, socially, you know, having conversation. So it changed for every individual, but the pretty significant changes. But then there was the breakdown of what next. And we would do parent training and it just wasn't quite enough because we weren't changing the environment. We were changing maybe the way the parents thought, but it wasn't global enough. And I sort of stumbled upon Cognition Builders. I actually turned the job down like three times. I was like, this is not not for me. I want to work with kids with autism and Cognition Builders was really working. Some clients had autism or a developmental disability, most of which had more mental health diagnoses and really had a lot of like family systems concerns. But I was like, let's try it. I'll see. And it was incredible. I was able to use my understanding of behavior to change family systems and change the same social, emotional, behavioral needs just in a different presentation for a different population. And it was incredibly effective. We were going into their everyday lives. We were sitting at dinner with them. We were going to soccer practice. We were at school. We were in every area where there is a need changing beat for beat what was happening, giving parents language, giving parents a way to do something differently, giving the client coping skills that they need when 
mom's yelling at them when they're dysregulated for whatever reason. And what that allowed for was this really sustainable long-term change. And I just fell in love with it. We were impacting day to day and then could fade ourselves out. And we weren't seeing these clients three weeks later because they really had learned the skills that they needed for long-term change, for environmental change across all the people in the home and all the settings. So I wonder if it could be helpful to maybe talk about a hypothetical case where your role as a behavior analyst could come in and what those interventions would be. I wonder if we could make up a case (laughs) to kind of help illustrate your interventions a little bit more clearly. Yeah, sure. So let's pick a teenager that has been diagnosed with significant social anxiety, having a hard time leaving the house, having a hard time going to school, having a hard time hanging out with friends, going to basketball, whatever it might be. And that's challenging enough in itself. It's also causing a lot of conflict with the family system, right? Mom is frustrated. Dad is frustrated. They don't know how to help. They've tried everything. They're yelling, they're bribing, they're, you know, doing everything they can. The kid's going to therapy. The parents are in therapy, but it's just not translating to home and it falls apart. And the therapist is having a hard time because parents are reporting that they're trying these things and nothing's working. And everyone is sort of like, now what? So this is where we come in. And what we would do is we would learn what's going on and work really closely with that treatment team to understand, okay, what were your recommendations? Maybe we're creating a system of reinforcements. This is where the behavioral piece can come in. Contingencies where, hey, it's really hard to get to school in the morning. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to set your phone aside. When you get up, when you get out of bed, when you're leaving to go out the door, we're going to get your phone back to act as sort of that motivator for the behavior. However, it's not always just about behavior. There's a lot more to it. There's anxiety. There's other things going on. So we're also in that moment, there is a family architect, which is what we call the people in the home that's coaching that kid through, Hey, you look overwhelmed. Let's take a deep breath. Let's use this coping skill. We have this specific morning routine. We're going to use every day because repetition is so helpful and routine is so helpful. And so we're coming in and we're doing all of these pieces all at once. So we're addressing it behaviorally with a contingency. We're addressing the coping skills in the moment. We're creating environmental changes with creating a morning routine. And most importantly, we're handholding through all of that and finding ways to prompt parents and coach parents and when they can intervene, when they shouldn't intervene, you know, when to come, when to go and sort of fading ourselves out in the process, you know, creating independence with all of this. So Just from that small example, you can see there's really a lot of factors that go into this. We're not just coming in and saying, okay, we're just going to address this from a behavioral perspective. We'll create a contingency. Done. It's really about involving every piece of it as a holistic individual and household and everything that's complex about life. Right. Right. And so usually the family architects live with the families. Yeah. So they can, we have a really broad spectrum. So some families need us to live in because it's a big picture, really complicated issue for some, if it's just, you know, mornings are challenging, then we might just be there in the mornings, but most of the time, because this is most effective, we are fully living in immersive. We're there through every moment of that day. That's really like the most effective way to change behavior is immersively and repetitively. Yeah. And how long would someone maybe have a family architect in their home? This varies greatly. 
It's all about the rate at which people learn. It's about the willingness to engage and the willingness that parents have to do what we're asking them to do. It is hard. I'm a parent. I don't want someone in my home telling me what to do. I get it. It's very complicated. But for some families, we're in and out in three weeks. We are able to create the changes we need to create. And the parents are willing to sustain that. The kids are in a great place to really be able to make those changes quickly. Some families, it's two years. If there's really complicated needs, it just depends. Right. And in terms of phasing out, so it sounds like as the family or the individual are learning those skills, able to really implement them into their lives, like you said, you kind of fade yourself out, right? Because the goal is to not be there forever. Exactly. We're always trying to work ourselves out of a job and it takes a lot of really intentional planning. We are very intentional about when we can fade ourselves out in a way that's going to allow for continued growth. And it's systematic. It's in little incremental ways. This is where we're backing out. We're collaborative in talking with the treatment teams, with the families, really creating a plan that's going to be most successful because without that intentionality, we're right back where, you know, I was years ago in working in a clinic and you move on too quickly or, you know, you don't really integrate in the way you need to. Mm-hmm. And do you ever need to come back into the home? Sometimes, of course. <laughs> it's not, this is not a, a perfect, everything always goes to plan. And life is not perfect. So sometimes a new stressor comes up and we'll pop back in and do sort of like a refresher and address changes that are happening. Sometimes we'll just do sort of like coaching. We'll check in once a week, once a month to help things stay on track. But sometimes it does go great. And sometimes we don't need to come back. Yeah. One thing I'm thinking, I mean, because I've worked with your group and I know the great work that you do. And so I'm, I'm asking these questions as if I don't know what you do, but I do. I highly value it actually. And like have a very high opinion of the quality of work. One question I have, I know that some of the work your group does is with college students. And it's so curious to me how you implement that in a college student's life when they're trying to individuate? Yes. Yes. Great question. So the first thing I would say that really helps is that we are not mom and dad. And so we can help support that individuation from parents while still scaffolding these kids. Because often what happens is these young adults, they're getting to college And they don't have the skills that they need to really be on their own and to flourish, but they have that innate desire to do so. And so we can come in as sort of that intermediary support to help them develop skills from not a mom, dad perspective telling me what to do, to really help them feel empowered and focusing on their own goals as well. So we're working through, you know, where are you trying to get and how can we get there? Let's break it down. This is where the behavioral piece comes in. Let's break it down into little tiny steps to help you get there. And it's individualized. So every college kid wants something different out of college, but all often have these same underlying needs of learning the skills, figuring out how to find friends, how to get up on time, how to get all your classes and your work done all of those pieces. Yeah. I think about it, this idea of kids, young adults, adults struggling 
they're not the only ones struggling in the family system. It's also the parents, the siblings. It's really kind of coaching everybody around what the needs are and the best way to approach one member of the family or multiple members of the family's hardships and struggles. Yeah. I mean, nothing ever happens in a vacuum. It's never about one individual. It's always about the family system. And that is so core to what we do because we really believe that. And in order to affect long-term change, you have to address the whole family, the siblings, the parents, the individual identified client, even though there's the bigger picture is our focus and our goal and integrating all of those pieces is really necessary. Here's a question for you. Does it ever not work? Good question. That's a hard thing to answer. Yes, there are times when we aren't able to help families. But really the question is, is it the intervention, the approach that's not working, or is it something environmentally that's not working? I fully believe it's not the approach. The approach works. Absolutely. Hands down. It does work. Whether the family is in the right place has the right expectations, the right ability to give what's needed. That's really the determining factor. Yeah. So, I mean, it's work on the family's part, right? And they have to be willing to do that work. It is a tremendous amount of work on the family's part. We are not coming in to fix a family. We're coming in to teach a family how to fix themselves, how to solve the problems that they have within their family system and us giving them the tools to do that successfully. But it's all about the work that they put in. Yeah. It's hard work. Didn't mean to put you on the spot. But I also think it's important for families to not think that it's just like, oh, the family architect's going to come in and it's just going to be easy. Absolutely. And that's often what happens. Parents often have that expectation of, okay, great. You're going to come in and sort of solve this for me. You're going to fix it. I'm going to just kind of do my thing. And it's really hard work and it's hard to, for a lot of reasons, but it's, I can imagine it's very difficult to feel responsible for some of the things that are going on. And there can be some shame in that and there can be ego involved and it can be very hard to have someone come in and say, there's a better way to do it. And you're going to receive that as I'm failing no matter what. And so helping parents work through that, giving them their own coping skills, giving them the tools that they need to work through the the hard pieces of it is also a major part of what we're doing. Right. Well, before we end, I mean, I've learned something about your group, even though I already know your group, but I think I've learned a bit more about how you operate and how you think about cases. I was wondering what your favorite part of this is. Yeah. This has actually come up a lot recently for me with clients as I've been here. I've been with Cognition Builders eight or nine years now. And we're at the point where some of my earliest clients are having really big life changes. You know, some of them were teenagers and now they're post-college getting married. Their lives are moving forward in really meaningful ways. And what I absolutely love about what we do is that I can confidently look at a family and feel as though we change the direction of their life in a meaningful way. And in some cases, literally saved their lives, not you know us alone, but within a system of people and affecting that kind of change for families is, I can't imagine doing anything else. I actually had a mom tell me once that she really, all she ever wanted was to be a mom and she had kids and it wasn't what she expected. And she had a really challenging kid 
but she just didn't know how to help. And she told me I hated it. I didn't like being a mom and it was all I wanted. And after working with us and we were really able to change their system, she called me in tears saying, I'm enjoying being a mom again. This is all I ever wanted. And I get goosebumps even just telling the story, but that's, that's why we're here. This is why we do what we do. You have to love people to be in this field and to be able to see those changes makes it all worth it. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing the important work you do. Yeah. I can't imagine doing anything else. So I will, if the listener is interested in the work that you and your group does, I'll make sure the information is in the episode description so they can learn a bit more about your group. Sounds great. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great chatting. Yeah. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.